Good morning. Good morning. Congratulate you all on setting your clocks to the right time this morning. Welcome to Upper Dublin Lutheran Church. Um, let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this time together, this time in our week and in our day to pause, to reflect, to take stock, to remember, to remember your goodness, to remember your love, the gifts that you have given us and the love that, and the gifts that we ourselves have to give to others. We pray that you be with us in this time. Open our minds and our hearts once again to your word this day. In Jesus' name, amen. This Sunday, this day, is All Saints Sunday, the day we remember and give thanks to God for all the members and friends of this congregation that have died in the last year. And we remember all the saints of every time and every place, including family members and friends and mentors that have shaped us and our world, and each in their own way made us who we are today. All Saints Sunday in the life of the church is a solemn day of remembrance, and it also holds one of my most cherished church memories. While I was in divinity school, I served as a seminarian at Memorial Church at Harvard for two years. And Memorial Church stands in the center of Harvard Yard, and it was built in memorial to those Harvard men, and it was just men at that time, who served and who died in World War I. So there was a large anteroom on the side of the sanctuary that was dedicated to their memory. And this is where All Saints... Uh, serve, the All Saints service and procession began at Memorial Church and will begin probably just a little later this morning there. The ministers and the choir gathered together in full regalia, crammed together in that space near a statue called the Sacrifice, which is modeled after the Pieta of Alma Mater holding her fallen son. The names of those who were killed in World War I Uh, Their names are carved into the stone walls in that room, and around the room, above their names, reads this dedication. While a bright future beckoned, they freely gave their lives and fondest hopes for us and for our allies, that we might learn from them courage and peace to spend our lives making a better world for others. It put All Saints Sunday into great perspective for me, being surrounded by all the names of the dead, confronted with a statue of a mother's grief, and the hope captured in that dedication that their deaths would not be in vain. And then from that memorial room, we would process into the main sanctuary, singing the anthem for the day, the great hymn for all the saints, as hundreds of people stood and sang in one voice. We walked down the center aisle on crimson red carpet flanked by high white pews, slowly walking by the names of the other students who had died in every war since World War I. On the right side of the sanctuary were the names of those who had died in World War II, their names going from ceiling to floor. And we sang. We sang that hymn for all the saints who from their labors rest who thee by faith before the world confessed. Thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. 
Alleluia, Alleluia. In Memorial Church, the idea of saints, the practice of remembering those who had died, was not a theoretical exercise. It was a visceral experience. And I think it's when the church is at her very best, when we stop to remember, even as the world spins madly on. We pause this day, each year, to mourn, knowing that grief has no expiration date. We pause to express our gratitude for having known and loved our saints. We pause to remember the life lessons that they taught us in our time together. Today, we remember and we listen. The former minister at Memorial Church and my preaching professor, Peter Gomes, one of my departed saints, once preached a sermon for All Saints Day entitled, What the Dead Have to Say. And he said this, What those dead have to tell us is that life is too short, too precious, to be forever defined on the basis of winners and losers. And what the dead now know is what the living need to learn. That is why on a day like today, in places such as this, we stop, we pause, we incline our ears to listen to them. And these words have been ringing in my heart and mind all week, and they have led me to wonder, what do our dead have to tell us? And I've, I've been listening. You see, I walk among the dead. And not like The Walking Dead, which I've just started been watching on Netflix. But rather, most mornings, you can find me out here in our cemetery, walking among the departed saints, some of whom I know and many that I don't, some that have been there for hundreds of years and others just weeks. They remind me that our time here is fleeting and that we should make the most of it, but not to rush. Instead, we should savor life. They counsel peace and patience and constancy. They tell us that love and not granite is the measure and true memorial of our time here. They say, pause and appreciate the beauty of each season of the year and the seasons of your life. They say, death is not the end of them or of us. They say in the words of the medieval Saint Julian of Norwich, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of thing shall be well. The saints we remember today that we have lost in the last year echo this. We saw it in their lives. We heard it at their funeral services. For those of us who knew them, we think about them most days. We think about something funny or profound they said, or just think about how much we miss them. Our saints the ones that we will see on screen in a short while urge us to persevere, to be hospitable and to be honest, to be faithful, to cherish our loved ones, to not lose hope, to be kind, to give generously without expectation of return, to trust that when we suffer, Jesus suffers with us, and to trust that when we weep, God weeps with us. They remind us to love God, and to love each other and not to overcomplicate that. They tell us to think on the things that matter and the things that truly will endure after we're gone. 
You can't construct a better sermon than the saints in the cemetery have for me each morning. They were witnesses in life and now in death to the power and love and the goodness of God. To be sure, they were not perfect, and neither are we. We are all sinners and saints at the same time, as we like to say. But the beauty is that over time and through the power of memory, our faults and our failings fade away, and the memory of our goodness grows. With each passing year, we cling more tightly to those memories so as not to forget our saints. Our departed ones are beatified by the passage of time and the love in our hearts. They modeled for us not perfect living, but faithful living. And they would be the last people to have said that they were saints. But we know, and we can attest, they were saints to us. As Albert Schweitzer once wrote, example is not the main thing, it is the only thing. And today we give thanks for their examples and aspire to do the same. Just this past week, I presided at a small funeral, and as the cold rain blew on us that day down at the graveside, I read a passage that we read at every committal service, and it goes like this. It says, By the death and burial of Jesus, your anointed, you have destroyed the power of death and made holy the resting places of all your people. And as we stood there at the graveside, I thought about that tomb that Lazarus laid in for four days and the tomb that Jesus laid in for three, where people would have come to visit and pay their respects and to cry and to remember, perhaps to place flowers, and how those resting places, the places of death, became places of resurrection and new and eternal life. Lazarus had been in his tomb so long that he started to stink. And his sisters had sent for Jesus, but he didn't arrive in time to heal and to save him. And so by the time Jesus arrives at the village, Mary, Mary and Martha, his sisters, are weeping. The entire village is weeping, and then Jesus himself cries. And amid his tears, summoning divine strength, he calls out to the tomb, Lazarus, come out. And to the bands of cloth that imprisoned him, unbind him, and let him go. And not long after, Jesus himself would be laid in a tomb, and his women disciples would come to anoint his dead body, only to find that he was no longer dead, but risen. It was so unexpected that when Mary saw him, she thought he was the gardener. In Jesus, graves, and all the places of death and grief in our lives become places of possibility, new birth and resurrection. Death is not the end. Grief cannot hold us forever. For Jesus says again, unbind them and let them go. It's the same voice echoed in our reading from Revelation, which I'll close with. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated at the throne said, See, see, 
I am making all things new. Amen.